But at the beginning of chapter 35 here, which we, we discussed all the way up to verse 8 last week, in chapter 35 we have God coming to Jacob and telling him to, to rise up and go back to Bethel. Tells him to, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, he reminds him about the, how that Bethel was the place that he had fled to or, or that he had fled while he was fleeing away from his brother Esau, uh, back after uh, deceiving his father <clears throat> for the blessing, and uh, and he he was in Bethel, and it's where God had come to him in a in a vision where he had uh, where he saw angels ascending and descending from a ladder which reached up into heaven. Uh, so. This was a very special place to Jacob in his mindset. <clears throat> he had set up a pillar there. Uh, but God's telling him to go back there and to, uh, to build an altar unto him. And, and we find him uh, doing that. It says that uh, in, in verse 8, we spoke about it a little bit last week. It was kind of an interesting passage because it's kind of thrown right here in the middle of of, of Jacob returning to Bethel and things that's going on there, but we find Deborah, who was Rebecca's nurse, uh, which would have been his mother's nurse, passing away, and um, and he buried her uh, underneath the Terebeth tree. <coughs> but uh, but that's where we finished off at last week, uh, talking about that. But this week I wanted to pick up here at uh, verse nine. And, we're going to go from 9 to 15 and then discuss that a little bit. Uh, so right here in verse 9 it says, <clears throat> Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from uh, Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation, or a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I give Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and your descendants after you. I give this land. Then God went up uh, from him in the place where he taught with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he taught to taught with him a pillar of stone, and he and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. All right, so to begin with, we have like I made mention of in the first part of this chapter, we had God coming to Jacob and telling him to go to Bethel, and so here we have Jacob coming to Bethel, and he builds this altar, and God comes to him, or appears to him, and in verse 9 it says, uh, not in verse 9, in verse 10 where it says, and God said to him, your name is not Jacob, or your name is Jacob, your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. Was uh, back a couple of chapters ago when uh, we had Jacob uh, <clears throat> right before he crossed the ford 
of uh, Zabok, I think it was called. I can't remember now 100% on that name. But uh, when he wrestled with the angel of God, we had him having his name changed. Why do you think that we have the name changed here again uh, where God's reminded him that his name shall not be called Jacob any longer, but the name shall be called Israel? What kind of thoughts you might have on that? Why, why we have that coming up again here? A covenant with God, all right, reminded him of this name change. Um, anything else anybody want to add to that, Steve? And the seed may multiply. It reminded him of the, the aspect of how that his seed's going to continue to multiply, uh, or he tells him to be fruitful and multiply, and uh, let, reminded him that a nation shall come from him, that kings shall come from him. <laughs> All right. A restart, reboot. Uh, we, uh, I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. All right. Reaffirming that, that God's still with him, even though uh, the things that had taken place Back in chapter uh, 34 with his sons going out and basically killing off all the men of Shechem uh, because, of what, uh, because of what Shechem did to uh, their sister. Very good. And, and one of the things in, when Jim had made mention of how that it's a, you know, a rebirth, uh, one thing that I forgot to mention in, in the review up to this point, uh, when you look at the first few verses of this chapter, we have Jacob going through. Before he left and went to Bethel, he went through and took and, and had everyone pull all the idols together. And he, uh, it says that he buried them underneath a terebinth tree, I think it was, or buried them under a tree. I can't remember exactly what it said there. But he buried them. Uh, many people think that he might have destroyed them before he buried them, but it doesn't really say 100% what happened there, but we know that he got rid of all the idols that was with him. I uh, also may mention that it might have, may have been at this point that he found uh, or that he found out about the idols of Laban that Rachel had taken from him, from her father, when they had left uh, Laban's house. But, uh, but he had purified, basically. You know, it was a calling away or calling uh, back, getting everyone back on track. And here we have God coming to him and reminding him about the name change. Uh, one of the things that I'd read about the, you know, God bringing up this aspect of the name change is, is basically reminding him, saying, hey, your name's not Jacob anymore. You're, you're, not, you're not a heel catcher anymore, a deceiver. You are Israel, prince of God. Uh, so we have the reminder uh, of the name change of what's going on here, you know, to, to remind him of who he is and, and how he should be. Uh, but as Steve was saying, uh, also reminds him of how that, you know, he's going you know, to continue to be fruitful and multiply, that a nation will come from him. And this isn't so much for Jacob in a sense, but more so for his sons. Uh, as we have read and we're about to be reminded here in a few verses, <clears throat> he's got 12 sons now through uh, the wives that he has. And, uh, and it's from them that you will have the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Hence, we have the name change and his 12 sons. Uh, but we also have, we also see towards the end of these uh, verses here in verse 14 and 15 where Jacob... <clears throat> 
uh, had poured out a drink offering and uh, and an and oil on it, which is interesting because we don't, you know, we haven't really read of any kind of uh, laws of how that you know, he was supposed to do this. And, you know, it's not until the law of Moses uh, when we find out you know them having to do this. But once again, it just shows how that there must have been some kind of a of a, of a worship aspect uh, or, or giving aspect that we should have here. Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Same covenant, same family line from Abraham coming on down uh, to, to Jacob or Israel, however you want to look at it here, uh, and reaffirming all these things to him. But any, anything else, any other comments up to this point in this chapter? All right. Well, let's look at the next set of verses here in verses uh, 16 through 20. It says, then they journeyed from Bethel when there was a, uh, but a little distance to go to uh, Ephraim. Ephraim. Uh, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she, uh, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was... As her soul was departing, <clears throat> for she died, that she called his name uh, Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to uh, Ephraim, Ephraim, that is Bethlehem, uh, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So, as we saw here in verse 19, uh, the place that they were journeying to, even though I can't pronounce that name uh, for some reason, was basically Bethlehem. You know, they were leaving Bethel and going towards Bethlehem. And just outside of Bethlehem, we have Rachel uh, going into childbirth. So, she, I'm sorry, was obviously pregnant again. And during this time period, uh, she had she had died, and the name that she had named him was uh, Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And as you can imagine, Jacob, you know, wouldn't have really wanted to call him son of my sorrow. I'd imagine is why he called him Benjamin, uh, which would mean uh, son of the right hand. But ultimately, we have the the second child from Rachel, uh, Benjamin, which would be the, the final uh, son that we have from uh, Jacob, yeah, final son we have from Jacob, uh, and, and finishing out the 12 tribes of Israel that we have here. The next couple of verses says, uh, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben uh, went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and uh, and Israel heard about it. So we have, now, right here we have uh, the name Israel being mentioned, you know, rather than Jacob, you know, the name change has been confirmed once again. And so now we have it, 
we see it happening, although we're going to uh, see Jacob being used again here in a minute. But anyhow, it um, says that, that when he pitched his tent uh, beyond the Tower of Eder. Now, the Tower of Eder uh, was, was just outside of Bethlehem, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to find that in my notes. For some reason, I didn't have it down, I think. I didn't mark it in my notes, but I'm pretty confident it was just outside of Bethlehem, uh, just on the, the south side, if I remember right, of Bethlehem. Uh, but as they were traveling, because it said that they were traveling to Bethlehem, they'd gotten just outside of there, and he had pitched his tent. And we find his oldest son, Reuben, uh, laying with Bilhah, uh, his, which was his father's concubine. And as we spoke of last week, well, the last, well, it might have been last week, I can't remember, in the last chapter, in chapter 34, when Levi and Simeon had uh, went and, uh, and killed all the men of Shechem, we, we discussed on how that, that basically cost them the birthright. And here we have what uh, Reuben has done uh, with, with defiling the, the uh, concubine here, this father's uh, concubine, that this is going to cost him uh, the uh, birthright as well. And we discussed a little bit, of, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, of how that when we get down into chapter 49, you've got Jacob going through all the sons here. And ultimately, we're going to find out there was something that he had against every single one of them until he got down to, to Joseph. And he's going to end up getting the, the double portion of the birthright or what have you. Uh, but here we have the record of why Reuben uh, was skipped over to begin with, and then Simeon and Levi as well. And by the way, you can find that in Genesis chapter 49. Uh, Genesis 49, verses 3 and 4, and in First Chronicles 5 and verse 1 which is uh, the reason why this birthright was taken away from him. Next thing we have is the, the latter part of chapter, of verse 22. If you notice, I didn't read all of chapter, uh, of verse 22, because it was kind of a weird how they split the verses here. But the latter part of 22, going on down in verse 26, says, Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. Uh, the sons of Leah were Reuben, uh, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, uh, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zublin, the sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, uh, Rachel's handmaid, were Dan and Nephtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, uh, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padanaram. Anything interesting about that? Well, I'll tell you what I thought was interesting. was the latter part here in verse 26, and it says, These were the sons of Jacob uh, who were born to him in Padan Aram. Well, where was Jacob heading to when he had Benjamin? Jerusalem, just outside of uh, Bethlehem, right around Bethlehem, right? Which wouldn't have been in Padan Aram, would it? That's in the land of Canaan. But it has Benjamin listed here 
And it says, the sons that were born to him in Penan are in. Like I said, I don't really have a good answer for this. I just thought it was interesting. I just wondered if anybody else picked up on that. <laughs> the best thing I could read about on that was, you know, uh, for instance, uh, my oldest daughter, Kelly, was technically born in Montgomery, Alabama. But she was only two weeks old when we moved up here. So you might say that, you know, my kids were, were born and, you know, born and raised in uh, you know, Charlotte, Monroe, Indian Trail, whatever, North Carolina here. But technically, Kelly wasn't born in North Carolina. She was born in Alabama, although she spent all but two weeks of her life living up here. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the, the only thing that I can come up with as far as, you know, why that is. It's just a way that uh, of speech or what have you. Any other thoughts or comments on why that might be the case? Uh, but another commentary that I read had made mention on how that uh, it could be that Rachel was conceived or had conceived Benjamin in Padanaram, but I don't know if I uh, 100% go along with that. And the reason why is because, from my understanding, is it took longer than nine months for him to get from, from the time that he left uh, Laban's house to this point because they've lived in where they, they built uh, shelters or what have you uh, there on the, the east side of the Jordan. I can't remember the name of the town right now. They had left from there, went to Shechem, spent some time there. Then they went from there, went to Bethel, and now they're down here heading towards uh, Bethlehem. So, I mean, it seems to me like there was too long of a time frame there for her to have conceived Benjamin uh, in in Padanaram, but I could be wrong in that. I don't know, and I don't know how far that land stretched, you know. Okay, so so Strong's is saying that she did conceive him in the that particular time period. Now, I will say this as well. Some people will say that this chapter is all out of chronological order. Yeah, if you read some commentaries, they say that this chapter has a lot of different aspects going on in it that are all out of chrono- chronological order. So it could be that Benjamin, well, I guess not necessarily because that happened on the way to Bethlehem. But I don't know. I, that was just a thought that I had in my head at the time, but kind of kind of, you know, refuted it myself in my own head as I was saying it. So. But <laughs> anyhow, any other thoughts or comments there before, before we keep going? All right, didn't mean to confuse you or, or, or throw out things that, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting and wanted to see what you guys thought about it. All right, well, the end of the chapter here says, Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, uh, or Kerjeth Abra, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, so Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, people being old and full of, of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now, one thing I, I think is interesting here is that, you know, we have Esau and Jacob coming together once again. Uh, 
not that there is, you know, when we saw Esau, Esau and Jacob first meet again after uh, Jacob coming away, coming back from Laban's house, you know, we discussed a fair amount about how Jacob was fearing uh, meeting Esau again because they didn't know how Esau was going to take him because the last he heard, Esau wanted to kill him. So he didn't know how Esau was going to take him, but Esau, you know, as we saw when they met, was uh, very forgiving, forgiving of him. Uh, and, and what have you, we don't see any reason why there would have been any kind of conflict uh, in between that time and here. But once again, though, we see the two brothers coming together uh, because of the death of their father, just as we did with Abraham, or, well, with Abraham, with Isaac, and, um, and Ishmael when they came together to, uh, to bury their father, Abraham. Um, but here we have Esau and Jacob uh, burying Isaac. Isaac, uh, does anybody know where he would have been buried at? Well, he would have been buried in the same cave as, uh, as his father, uh, in the cave of Machpelah, which was the spot that, uh, that Abraham had bought to bury his wife, Sarah, because uh, she had passed and had bought that can't remember the name of the people that he bought that from, but you can see in uh, in Genesis forty nine uh, verses thirty and thirty one that it was the cave of Machpelah that uh, Jacob and uh, well Jacob, Leah, Esau, not Esau, Isaac, Abraham, Sarah were all. Buried at, and I can't. It seems like I'm missing somebody, but I can't remember. But it, it, it lists them out right there in verses 30 and 31 of chapter 49 there in Genesis. If you wanted to look at that, absolutely. I think it was 20 something years. I can't remember 100. percent I didn't have it marked in my notes. I remember back when, like you said, when we started this, because he, he thought that he was on his deathbed at that time, and he had several more years left in him. Like you said, it's very good. Anything else? All right, well, in chapter 36, as I'm sure uh, many of you may be happy to hear, I'm not going to read all of this. <laughs> because there, there are a lot of names. We have basically the, uh, the genealogy of uh, Esau here at the beginning, and then we've got a lot of different aspects within this chapter. And I'll be 100% honest with you, I have struggled with this chapter. I mean, I've really struggled with it. I've I've killed myself trying to figure out all the things that are going on here, and I've kind of resigned myself to, to realize that I'm just not going to know all the things that are going on in this chapter uh, unless some of you can you know, enlighten me on some of the things that are happening here. But basically in the first uh, five verses here, we see the genealogy of Esau, uh, the names of his wives. Uh, now, one thing that's, like I said, interesting, if you... Look at this, comparing back in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 34 and over in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 9, is that the names of these wives don't quite line up. Now, why? Once again, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that they, they had made mention of is that it could be that during significant times in their life that they would change their names. So they had two different names going on during different time periods of their life. 
And that could be why the names aren't you know, exactly the same there. But, you know, once again, it is what it is. But in verse 6 through 8, I was going to read that real quick. It says, Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle, and all his animals, and his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to, the, to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. All right, so uh, real quick, I'm right there at the, the end of verse 8. It, it makes clear that Esau is Edom. That's just you know, what they're going to call him. And you'll see Edom many times in this chapter. But, uh, but I thought it was kind of interesting because when you read verses 6 and 7, though, it makes it brought back to memory someone specific for me. Anybody for you guys? Abraham and Lot. And they were dwelling together, and the land couldn't support them both, and so they had to split up. So here we have uh, Esau you know, and Jacob. Their possessions were so great that the land couldn't keep them both at the same spot, and so they had to split up. Um, but we see Esau going away and dwelling in uh, Mount Seir uh, and, and taking all this stuff there. Uh, verses 9 through... 14, basically we have the, uh, the genealogy of Esau's sons, which were in the land of Seir, when he had moved to the land of Seir. And I'm not going to go through all that. Uh, verses 15 through 19, uh, we have references here of chiefs or dukes, depending on the version that you might have. Uh, I think the ASV and the King James Version, if I remember right, both have dukes. And, but uh, you have all these, these different chiefs or, or dukes like I was talking about. And I'd read some things on, on these as well. And, and the best I can come up with as far as what's going on here is it's almost like you have, you know, like Jacob has the, the, his, his 12 sons and, and, and they're, they're uh, uh, tribes, if you would, and here we kind of see in the same thing with Esau. And I was just reminded back in Genesis chapter twenty-five, uh, in verses twenty-two and twenty-three, when Rebecca, uh, Esau and Jacob's mother, was pregnant. She says, "But children struck, or it says, children, but the children struggled together within her." That's Rebecca, and she said. If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples, sep- uh, two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the, other, and the older shall serve the younger. Uh, I basically point that out uh, at this point in time because here we're seeing Esau's uh, uh, Esau becoming a nation, just as what God had told his mother uh, when they were fighting within the womb, because they were twins. Esau and and Jacob were twins, so they were in the womb, fighting in the womb, and that's what the Lord had said, uh, uh, 
made mention to Rebecca when she had felt this way. So that's pretty much my description of this, this aspect here. Any thoughts or comments on that? I know I'm blowing through this real fast, but like I said, I, I, I didn't, I struggled with this chapter a lot. Uh, verses 20 through 30, uh, we find uh, in these verses a list of inhabitants uh, that were in the land of Seir, where Esau had moved to, and which I would have to imagine that ultimately they would have intermarried and, uh, and, and basically became one. But ultimately, uh, I would imagine here that the Edomites would have uh, been greater or, or had a, a bigger effect on, on these people. Um, because in verses 31 through 39, we see of the kings that were set forth uh, in the land of Edom or in the, within the Edomites. Um, now, one thing that I wanted to point out here real quick was in verse 31, it says, Now these were the kings who reigned in the, in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. And remember, this was Moses writing this while they were wandering in the, in, the, uh, in the wilderness for 40 years. And so this was before, this was written before the children of Israel even had kings. And so one of the things that I'd read was that many people want to try to refute saying, oh, well, this was added uh, after Moses had written this. But yet, if you remember just in the previous chapter, when we had God uh, with Jacob at in Bethel, he had told him that kings shall come from you. So we know that kings will come from him. He's just making reference here that this was before any king reigned over the land of Israel, uh, making mention that uh, the Edomites had had a monarchy king uh, aspect before the Israelites did. But one last little thing here is in verses 40 through 43. Once again, we have uh, list out of, of chiefs here uh, from Esau. And if you read through these chiefs and you look at the chiefs that was mentioned over in verses 15 through 19, uh, there's only two names that really remain the same, and that was uh, in verse 42, the first two names there. Uh, you can see the same names over in, in those other two verses, in the verses uh, 15 through 19, and I don't remember exactly where they were at there. But um, but this was almost like a, and, I, and from what I read about the kings is that when you look at the kings, and I, and I try to find more of a, of a proof of this, and I can't really say for sure, but from what I read, though, is that these kings, each king wasn't like the next son or what have you. This was a totally different uh, person, so it was like, you had a king, and then someone else came in and killed that regime and then took over, and they had a king, and then somebody else came in and killed that king and so on and so forth. And it could be that these were the only two chiefs uh, in verse 42 that, um, that remained, and so it was almost like a, a refreshing of the tribes here of Esau. I know I ran through that real quick, and I hope I didn't confuse you all, but... Like I said, I struggle with this chapter, and I'm sorry I bored you to death today, uh, but I promise next week will be a lot better because we're getting into Joseph. And thank you for your comments and attention, though.